Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. We are recapping episode four of the Challenge USA. I am Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And Evan, we have something in common with one of the eliminated challenge contestants this week. Do you know what it is? We have something in common with one. Well, we didn't win Big Brother. Um, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Yeah, fill me in. Well, much like Shan, God told us to leave the church and start a Patreon. Mm. So I just want to remind everybody that on Monday, August 1st, our Patreon goes live where you can subscribe to get some exclusive content. We have recorded a recap of episode one of Snake in the Grass. We watched it so you didn't have to. You can very much go into that episode without having watched Snake in the Grass. It was a lot of fun to talk about because it's kind of a messy show. In fact, I might suggest not watching the episode before <laughs> you listen to our Patreon exclusive episode because I feel like we, uh, I'm going to say it. I feel like we made, uh, what is it? Lemonade out of lemons. Yes. Uh, but that's it's from some bitter lemons. It's not a terrible show though. Like I think that we enjoyed watching it um, but I don't think I would have enjoyed watching it as much had I known that I didn't get to talk shit about it on a Patreon episode. I think I enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed watching it. I'll say that. Yeah, without question. But that's and honestly, I... that's sort of my modus operandi when it comes to Big Brother where it's like I watch Big Brother so that I have the podcast episodes of like Rob has a podcast etc to listen to. Yeah. I don't actually enjoy watching the show. It's very much like a, a phone show. Like I'm on my phone throughout it. So yes, I would say Snake in the Grass, more fun to commentate on than to watch, but uh, highly suggest that people sign up for our Patreon. Yes, and also going live on Monday will be the full video interview of our very first interview with Ozzy. That was fun to revisit and edit that video together. I've already started on the next one, Courtney Yates, and that is very iconic, and you can see Courtney in all of her glory, and those will roll out. I'm thinking bi-weekly we will roll those interviews, uh, interview videos out. They do take some time to put together, uh, but they're very fun to watch, and uh, I look forward to sharing all of those with you. Plus, we've gotten some great suggestions on Instagram for more Patreon-exclusive content. Lots of stuff. Much to consider. Much mm. to consider. You know what I'm thinking? Thinking out loud right now, because we've gotten a lot of requests on the Instagram to finally release our Hottest Men of Survivor episode. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking, Sean, should we potentially, because we're going to record an episode of us coming up with our ranking that we're going to release after our ranking, which is like going to be Sean and I arguing back and forth for what the worst and best seasons are. Should we do something similar with us generating the list of hottest survivors, hottest yeah, survivor men? That's a great idea. So we want to put the hottest survivor men out on the main feed, but perhaps for Patreon, we will record us arguing over who's making the list. Now here's the question. I mean, we can go over this on the episode, I guess, but like, say someone like uh, Ozzy, for instance, when we have like a four time player, um, are we factoring in, like, are, is it sort of like the, um, 
the average of their look. Cause I, I don't think Ozzy is as good mm. looking in every season. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think game changers is a game changer by way of his looks. Um, he would admit that. Uh, so I'm wondering, are we sort of, yeah, we, we will need to discuss sort of like the metrics with which we're measuring this. Yeah. Ozzy and game changers is very much giving Dustin Hoffman as captain hook and hook. <laughs> it's that hair. Would you say, I feel like Ozzy's hottest season is Micronesia. Yeah. I know Cook Islands is really good though. I think I think Micronesia, because he's coming in with already like I think a little more confidence than he had in Cook Islands, and he had confidence in Cook Islands, but I think he's coming in with a little more like I hate to use the term swagger in 2022, but it's like that. Mm. Yeah. As short as uh Cher Lloyd once sang, Swagger Jagger. Swagger, swagger Jagger. Jagger. Um well I think bring we can her make the back. transition. Yeah, bring her back. <laughs> I can bring bring her onto the challenge. I think our uh transition from this conversation into the challenge could be something that I think we said on episode one, which is sort of our who do we want to see cast on the challenge USA season two. And I think Ozzy would be a huge get both for the show and for this podcast. Totally. Okay, well, let's get into episode four because there's much to discuss. I thought it was a great episode. Evan, high level thoughts? High level thoughts. I'm just like, I'm fully in it. Like I I get excited for this show. There are so many people on the show who either I'm rooting for them to win or I'm just enjoying their screen time. And I have to say credit to the story editors here. There are so many people playing this game, but I feel like not only do I have a sense of everybody, but they do a great job of like sprinkling people in, even if they're not the focal point. So for instance, Mm -hmm. it's like Sarah Lucina only has a few lines in this episode, but like they are memorable lines um and i also just loved this challenge which i know we'll get into but i just thought this was like really fun as an audience member to sort of play along and that's something you don't get often um on a show like this or on survivor and it was just fun sitting with my boyfriend and being like let's try this ourselves like could we win this challenge yeah i have to say what i've really liked is that Almost nobody's getting purpled. I would say that we don't get a lot of content from, say, a Shannon, but she did have a confessional. She did. And so they do a good job of sort of spreading spreading the wealth in terms of screen time. Yes. Okay. Well, let's get into it a little bit. We have the algorithm picking new teams. I don't think there's a whole lot of drama or anything to discuss about the new teams. Is there anything you want to say about partnerships here? No, I do enjoy the several shots of like someone being announced as someone's partner and like the blank faced um, sort of reaction <laughs> shot is always really nice when you really have no idea of how they really feel. That does not get old for me. But no, I would say there were no, you know, with episode uh, one or two, for instance, we had like, you know, some Love Island exes that were partnered, for instance, this didn't provide any inherent drama by way of partnerships. Yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. Like, you're not going to have it every week, and I feel like we don't need it every week. Well, if we had it every week, then we would all we would be talking about is how the algorithm is bullshit, right? So they have to they have to make it seem random because I don't believe that it is. Okay, so after they are paired, oh wait, sorry, can I just say something about algorithms? Well, so uh, this is a drag race spoiler that I'm about to say. Sean, you're not watching. I haven't watched. I haven't watched the finale. Okay, never mind. (laughs) <laughs> well, something that we w- I want to bring up on a future episode then is Drag Race does the spinning of the wheel uh, to choose who lip syncs. And yeah. I feel like that is a little bit more algorithmic than uh, we are led to believe. Sorry, in that 
I think that they control where it You lands. think there's a magnet? I think there's some, I don't know enough about how these things work, but I, I, I have reason <laughs> to believe um, that it is not quite, you know, the luck of the spin. Very interesting. Are you still in contact with Raja at all? After your yeah, interview on Shut Up Evan? Yeah, do, you no, have any, I, do you have any tea about the Raja outburst about Michelle, uh, Michelle Visage? I almost said Michelle Obama. <laughs> Michelle Visage. I will find out. I, I did. I saw the Trinity video of her saying yeah. that apparently, so apparently for those that don't know, apparently Raja clapped back at Michelle over some critiques or something that, and they didn't end up airing it. No, I, I don't know. Um, but let's table that. Maybe we'll bring it to the Patreon. Yeah. Hey, we got some requests to talk more about Drag Race on the Patreon. So mm. that's a big maybe. Well, actually, I did want to mention briefly, uh, this is related to the challenge. Uh, Detox was on Delta Works podcast, Very Delta, which I cannot recommend more highly. And Delta asked Detox if she would ever come back and do another season of All Stars. And one thing that Detox said is that although she's not interested in, you know, doing Drag Race again, she would be interested in something more Big Brother-like or something that brought the girls back together, but in a non-drag competition format. And I couldn't help but think, like, how fun would something like the challenge be with all Rue girls. How fun would something like Snake in the Grass be oh with all Rue God. girls? Because really all you need is like one night with them camping. Is they like, don't even have to be camping. Like they could just do it wherever. I mean, I want them camping. They could do it in the workroom. <laughs> I don't care. I, wait, I want them arriving in the helicopter in drag <laughs> and, having and then immediately out. being like just thrown into the water and then like emerging from the water with like the eyeliner dripping Wings down everywhere, their face. Lashes everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there is a concept. Bobby Bones, if you're listening. <laughs> Take note. <laughs> New York Times bestseller Bobby Bones. Wait, anyway. one more thing. One more thing about Drag Race before we move on is if you're not following us on Instagram, then you didn't see that Monet Exchange and Alyssa Edwards had a conversation about Survivor recently uh, at a Q&A event where Monet was asked who her favorite Survivor winner is. She said she loves Survivor. She binged it all over the course of the pandemic. Her favorite winner is Parvati. Alyssa revealed that she just watched two seasons for the first time. She said one of them was 15. No confirmation that that's accurate, but like watching in the golden era, certainly, and that they would both want to play Survivor. And if CBS and Survivor is not taking note of that, then they're doing their job wrong. Well, and now that we have this acquisition via Paramount Plus and sort of Drag Race being in the same network as Survivor, um, I feel like they're this, you know, it lends itself very organically to some sort of crossover. I've always wanted to see Rue and Jeff Probst switch jobs <laughs> for a day. Like, that's always been my desire. I will say, though, if you're asked who your favorite Survivor winner is, and your answer is Parvati, I think you need to be prepared with a, and my second favorite is, mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you're, like when you go to people and you're like, what's your favorite season of Survivor? It's like, yes, we're all going to say Micronesia or Heroes versus Villains or Pearl Island. So I feel like you kind of need to come with like your more, you know, your not lower tier, but like, you know, something for the girls, right? Like it's like, you know, a throw cut. a little... Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so, yes, I think I, I, few people listening to this podcast are going to argue that Parvati is the greatest winner of all time. But, like, you know, throw in, like, uh, season 19 Natalie just to, like, you know, give us something to chew on. <laughs> now that's a deep cut. 
Okay, let's get back to the challenge because we get a little bit of content from the house before the daily challenge. Some things to note that Alyssa and Derek are chatting in the kitchen because of course they are the two. And I have to correct myself from last time because I was going on and on about how Alyssa felt betrayed by Derek, but that actually wasn't the case. And Evan, you corrected me by saying that Alyssa was betrayed by Xavier. And what I have learned is that I have a problem with names or some confusion with names. I'm not putting this fully on myself because (laughs) Derek, if I'm not mistaken, goes by Derek X, right? Yes. And some people, yeah, Derek does go by Derek X. And then also adding to the confusion is that like some people on Big Brother call Xavier Xavier and some people call him simply X. Yes. So when Alyssa was talking about that, in whatever episode, episode one, I think, she talks about how she was betrayed by X, and then we go straight to a confessional from Derek, and so my brain made the connection of like, oh, she's talking about this guy. So I actually cut much of my (laughs) rant about that because ultimately it was just like based on nothing. So a little confusing with the names, but I feel like I've got a really good handle on what's going on now. One thing that this exchange between Alyssa and Derek X made me think about was that they were eating ramen um, during the exchange. And I just was curious about like, what sort of, you know, food is provided because this is a big cast. And I would, beyond just the food, I would love to have a sense of like the day, right? Like um, Mm -hmm. what's occupying their days because this show is filming quite a bit of, you know, their life at home, Um, mostly strategy talk. But like, I was a little bit surprised to see that like ramen was on the menu. I thought that Paramount Plus could have sprung for, you know, something a little bit, you know, more grand or yeah, I just I would love a peek at the kitchen. Well, in one of Tasha's exit interviews, she was asked what she would do differently if she came back. And she said, well, I didn't know that we could bring all these supplements and proteins for when we're working out to get ready for the challenges. And other people did that. And I wish that I had known to do that or had thought to do that because my my brain is used to going on Survivor where you just go with nothing and you're given nothing. Um, so but that do you was think that that's people that were insight. But also to me, I read that as people were just doing what they do with their home life here so it's like yes but the fact that you can that you could bring like a a big tub of protein powder to this house and consume it do you think like is there a kitchen like are they able to you know on big brother they can they can make meals like do they cook yeah so like is ramen provided because there is not a kitchen um so yeah anyway but then also (laughs) this conversation i do feel like was a little leading in the fact that like i knew because We were centering the conversation so much around Alyssa, both at the end of the last episode and into this one. It did become very clear to me at that moment that Alyssa was going to win this week, but it also didn't matter to me because I, as I've, as I've said many times on this podcast, to me, the least interesting thing about these shows is like, they can spoil what's going, who's going to win, who's going to lose. That's not why I come to these shows. So for me, it was like, okay, knowing that Alyssa was likely going to win for me it just became okay how do i how do we get there like i was really interested in the road to that inevitability so for me it wasn't so clear that she was going to win but they've just been continuing this storyline around Alyssa and derek versus the cookout for 
since episode one. And so that was just kind of, kind of a continuation because in this round, Shan and Xavier are paired together. And so they're talking about wanting to get that pair out because it's kind of like a double whammy. They get to get their revenge on Xavier for winning Big Brother. And then they also get to get rid of a survivor that's a little bit of a wild card. Derek also mentions Justine and David and how it would be good to knock them out so that they can move up the leaderboard. And I guess in retrospect, looking at this conversation, it is really laying out exactly what's going to happen this episode, right? Because Justine and David end up losing the daily challenge and go into elimination against Shan and Xavier. So yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to try to keep an eye on this the next episode. The one thing that I would say is that they're making comments about the leaderboard and saying, well, Justine and David, it would be nice to knock them out because we could move up the leaderboard. But I think what the audience needs is a leaderboard. Like we mm. need, we get shots of that physical leaderboard, but it's not, it's very quick and it's not quite enough. I would like them to put on the screen sort of like where everybody's at, maybe like catch us up as part of the previously on or something with a very clear visual, like, sports style like here's where everybody's at here's how much money they have here's what's at stake sort of thing uh because i am like it wasn't i didn't remember that justine had money from anything and that that did play into things in the end game right so i think that that's still my like one complaint i think they've done a great job of catching us up on who these people are what their relationships are etc but where everybody's at in terms of the game i'm a little lost Okay, what else do we need to talk about here? Xavier's also talking about, so we're getting the flip side of the conversation where Xavier's talking about the cookout versus Alyssa and Derek. And Xavier says that he's moved past the backstabbing and he wishes that everybody else would too. I thought this was like kind of funny because he's saying, you know, I've put this in my past. Yes, there was backstabbing on Big Brother, but I've gotten over it. But you've gotten over it because you won. Like you did the backstabbing. So like easy for you to say that you're over it. Right. I also, and I think I said this in the first episode that we recorded, but it's like, I just don't think that this was a backstabbing. Like I think that they are retroactively making this out to be a bigger moment than it was. As I said before, Xavier was a part, Xavier was a part of two alliances, which is very normal on the game of Big Brother or Survivor. Mm -hmm. And when the roads diverged, he chose one path instead of the other. So, and also I would say the bigger backstabbing would be had he gone with Alyssa and betrayed the cookout, which had five other people in the alliance. Like that to me would have been a real backstabbing. Mm. He just went one way instead of the other. I just think when we talk about backstabbing, this is not a great example of backstabbing. Right. This was, he made the le the less difficult of, of, of two difficult decisions. It's gameplay. It's gameplay. Yeah. Okay. And I very much feel like you get the sense that like, they are completely good in life, but for the sake of coming on a reality show, um, they are participating in dredging up things from the past because it brings drama, which let me say, I am all for. Like I am, I think that what they are doing is effective and a good thing to do given the situation. Um, I also think, you know, I'm calling bullshit on it, but like, I, I think that the performance that they're giving um, is a good performance. So, but is it bullshit? Because ultimately they make this decision, Alyssa and Kylan. Yeah. Alyssa but, and Kylan make this decision to put, Xavier and Shan into the arena in the end. And there's, I don't think, a lot of strategic reason behind it. 
it does seem personal to me. Yes, but I, I, well, so also I think that like, okay, so one thing, there's a fabulous article that I was sent by my friend Jarrett, uh, that he wrote this for BuzzFeed, right? And it talks about the history of the challenge. And one thing that the article talks about is one of the reasons why you're asked back is because you bring story. And a big part of this franchise is the idea that the stories are ongoing throughout many seasons. And so I feel like one thing that they're bringing is really like they're they're adding story to the season. They're bringing in the storyline from Big Brother and bringing it here. And I feel like there's an awareness on Alyssa's part, maybe Kylan's, but it seems more led by Alyssa, that like, this is how you make good TV, right? Like, and this is how you get asked back to come to the challenge by making a big move. So was it necessarily strategic? I'm not so sure, but I do think I get the impression that Alyssa is savvy enough to recognize that like, how do you make a memorable episode of a challenge? You go after not only someone that's a huge competition in the show, but someone that you have a history with who this is going to seem uh, as a sort of like, oh, you got me on 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 that show. I'm going to get you on this show. So you're saying that she's making an investment in her future on the challenge. Yes. Because okay. I definitely think, hello, were we talking about Alyssa during the first three episodes? Not, I mean, maybe a little bit in episode three, but not so much. I will say I do love her moment with Tyson, um, talking about when Tyson was belittling the person that couldn't run 10 miles or bike 10 miles yeah. and I ended up being hurt. Um, but I feel like this was just a huge moment for her um, from the reality television standpoint. Yes, it was a big move. Um, but yeah, my sense was that she was cementing her place within the challenge. Right. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And like, and to your point, like, so was it very um, strategically minded, perhaps? Like, you're saying it didn't necessarily serve her game in like the best way possible. But I would also argue that it's like, I just think there aren't like, no move she was going to make was going to like, help her game more, right? It's not like she made mm, a decision. I don't know about that. I don't know well, so about who, that. So from if you were Alyssa, who would you have gone for? I think that Cinco and Shannon were the were the right option, which they discussed and, briefly. Right, right. But why is that a better move? You, because it, you, you uh, Sean, in the role of Alyssa, it demonstrates that she's still loyal to the Big Brother, and so, there's sort of this like it seems like there's kind of a big group of Big Brother and Survivor sticking together at least until you know, they can no longer stick together. And I think that this is true. I don't think we're at that point yet. And so now, as Tyson said, you know, if if Alyssa and Kylan are happy to ostracize themselves from their own alliance this early in the game, then go for it. That's going to help everybody else. But I don't think it helps that. I think this move helps a lot of people in the house. And I don't think that those people are Alyssa or Kylan. But the argument too um, from their decision is that they can basically go to the survivors or the Love Islanders next week and be like, hey, as you saw last week, I am not Big Brother loyal. So it's like, I'm happy to work with you. And I've proven the fact that I'm willing to go against my team. And also- Yeah, but they took a survivor out with them. Like- I get the impression that the survivors were not Shan strong. Like I don't, to me that you can, you can sort of call that shrapnel, like in all, for all intents and purposes, like- if you're going to take a survivor out, it's I feel like taking out a Ben or a Sarah Lucina would have been seen as more of like a power move. This to me was debris. Yeah, but this is the second survivor to go home in a row. 
it just feels it just is like I just don't think the timing was right on this. Maybe episode five, the timing would have been right. Understandably, like you're not always going to be in the winner position making your decisions. And so maybe you've got to shoot your shot when you can. But I just think I just don't think this helps them. Honestly, I don't think the survivors are going to like look at them and be like, yeah, I want to work with you as a result of this. I think it damages their credibility as like alliance members, uh, as rational decision makers. Maybe they could be seen as more malleable than they should be. Like maybe that's the asset that that they'll be able to bring. But I don't know that they would recognize that as the angle to push when looking for new allies if the big brothers turn on them. We can talk a little more about this, but let's go to the daily challenge. Do we need to talk about TJ here? Because like, this was quite a performance. We do need to talk about him. First of all, I will say uh, the update on the TJ fashion report is that like, I thought we were moving in a better direction because this was that orange puffer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like this to me worked like it was, it was, it wasn't a serve, but it wasn't a boot. Um, however, uh, yeah, he was a little, oh, I was gonna say, however, it does take a turn when we get down to the, the, sorry, what are we calling the thing at the end? The arena. I would say the, the arena. elimination arena. Whatever. No, 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 I just need to get it. I need to cement the word in my head. Okay. So then we took, we, we took a nosedive when we got to the arena. Now regarding his performance in this challenge. Yes. Was he overzealous without question? But I do want to say TJ's overzealous in comparison to Prope's overzealous I find way more bearable. I would blame the editors here more in saying that like, it got to the point where like, okay, we're clear on the fact that TJ takes much delight in pressing the button. Mm -hmm. Like that is very clear. I felt like we hit the beat a little too many times, Mm -hmm. but the argument in favor of it is it's like, here we are talking about it. Like it was one of those things that was like, it wasn't a failed moment to me. and, And I didn't get the sense that he was performing, I did feel like he genuinely was loving that button. I have to disagree because I think mm. there was a little performance involved. Like I got sick of it pretty quickly. And I just feel like there's something, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something that is violently heterosexual about the way that he's laughing and like the way that he's like, dicks his tongue out while he's laughing and like i just i was so over it i i hate something just in my gut turns when i see somebody who's like laughing because they have a secret which is what what happens when the contestants go up and meet tj and he's just like already starts laughing it's like this is a a little obnoxious for me I also do think that like the being dropped as someone who like would gladly do this challenge, it really wasn't like a punishment and it really didn't like, it needed like, you know, a pie in the face element to it, especially after a while when it's like they know how this works, especially once they'd already done it once where it needed to be like, I don't know, not that I wanted to like hurt them, but like it, it felt like it was missing a little something um, when they went and did it the second go round because it's like they'd already done it. Um, but I, it's did, like drop I did into something. Exactly. Like they needed to come out of it. And also just from the uh, filming perspective, it's like once you see the shot of them falling, this reminds me of that first episode in the sense that like once we have the shot, 
we have the shot. Now, what we didn't get, which I think could have been interesting, and my boyfriend Billy is going to be snapping his finger when he listens to this because he kept saying this throughout the whole episode, was we needed the GoPro footage of their faces. Yeah. Mid-fall. Because yeah. we got that final shot of them, but the problem with this conceit given that you don't know when TJ is going to hit the button is that they're giving like the performance face of like, Oh, I'm about to drop, but you need the face of when they're actually dropping. Yeah. And the thing is the camera, they, because there was no GoPro, once they fall in, we only see a body and everybody looks the same. Yes. Agreed. Totally so, agreed. Yeah. That said, can we talk about the trivia aspect? Let's absolutely. So the game is called falling off the knowledge. And they are standing essentially on a platform that can open up beneath them. It reminds me of, if we want to talk about another past reality moment from the early 2000s, a la Dog Eat Dog, we have uh, Russian Roulette represented here. Do you remember that show? Mm, I do. (laughs) So that was a trivia show where if you got eliminated, they opened the floor beneath you and you just disappeared. So it was giving me Russian roulette. No, no GoPro on that show. No GoPro. I really liked this challenge. I really liked the trivia. I thought that the topics that they picked were great. Like a really good spread of topics. And however, great answers. What? If, if you're being asked to name cat women Mm -hmm. and your first response is mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway. And what's funny is, and I was I was saying them out loud in real time, and it's like, I think you go Pfeiffer, Eartha Kitt, Halle Berry, Hathaway. Yeah. In terms of iconicness. And I know there could you could argue Pfeiffer and Kitt could maybe go that could yeah. waffle. Um, the fact that we only got Anne Hathaway mentioned was heartbreaking. Didn't we have a second one? I don't think we did. Correct me if I'm wrong. Halle Berry. Wrong. They said Halle Berry. They did they? say Halle Berry? I think so. Okay, I think we had enough. Anne Hathaway, Halle Berry, Scarlett Johansson. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> like, but, it was wild but, but, that Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't mentioned. Right. But I do, I kind of love that this cast is, like, I love this trivia for this cast. Um, it was just super duper fun. And I like the range of it, right? Like, it was like, in that moment, you got a little bit of pop culture, but then they was, you know, what are, um, countries where Spanish is the native tongue? Yeah. Like, I felt like we, we, and then also the, uh, uh, American city or states that start with N. Yeah. Like, just a really, really fun. And again, like that component of being able to play along at home was really fun. Um, and then t- I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but do you remember Lucina's talking head? No. She has such a Sarah Lucina talking head because she was getting annoyed. Well, there's one where she's paired with, well, she's paired with Derek, right? That's her partner. And And there was on the Catwoman question where I don't know if this was her confessional, but she, yeah, I think it was because she's looking at him being like, I don't know movies. And so she's like, and then I think she says in confessional, like, he looks like a nerd, like he should know this. Right, I think I'm actually talking about the next one, which I think is when it was the, can you name hockey teams or whatever? And in the confessional, right. she was like, she's like, this is my time. Yeah. Like, shut up or whatever. To yeah, Derek. It's she, something went, really funny. she went full hockey mom. Exactly. Yeah. And I love her for it. Um, but also, <laughs> yes, great um, shout out to my, my hometown Pittsburgh Penguins. They got a lot of love on this episode. Also, I think it's worth mentioning in this moment, um, our 29th contestant, Kiki, 
getting yes. another shout out in yes. this episode in one of, I think just a, maybe one or two talking heads Danny was given this episode. He made mention of our beloved Kiki. Well, he said that if he dies, Kiki has permission to buy whatever she wants. Shoes, right. bags, clothes. Now, have you kept in touch with Kiki? <laughs> I have not, but I have her number in my phone. Okay, well, <laughs> I just want to put it out there. Kiki, if you're listening, we would love a call in. How do you feel about your role on the Challenge USA? Um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Like, is Kiki going to make an appearance? Do they do loved ones visits on the challenge? We don't know. Can somebody tell us? I don't us? believe so. Okay. It would be great. Also, if, like, I just want to let people know, I am listening, I excuse me, I am currently watching season 10, The Inferno 2. I decided to go back and binge some early seasons of the challenge, and the first one available is season 10, which is the season before the new producer came on and sort of like up the ante on the challenges themselves. So I'm still watching like the, the challenges are very rudimentary in one. They have stilts on and they have to go <laughs> and pick, um, not pineapples. What's the uh, tangerines. They have to go grab tangerines and then juice them into like a blender. Mm. Um, and it's whoever gets the most juice, but like fun to watch. I like nonetheless. that. I like that. But anyway, it's really fun watching uh, these early episodes of this show. I think it would be really fun if in the challenge, I don't know how the finales play out. Like they talk about getting to the final, whatever. I don't know what that means or what it looks like, but it would be really fun if they do this on Australian Survivor, where it's like in the final immunity challenge, they bring in the final three or final four families to watch the challenge. And then you, you are not only like getting the f- sort of like, family visit moment but it's also like quite emotional intense because they're watching the challenge and like sort of watching either your fate slip away from you or the game slip away from you or they're seeing you succeed and go to final tribal council so that's really exciting it'll be fun if in the finals of the challenge they brought in family members to like observe whatever Mm. series of challenges they have to go through i mean i also feel like blood versus water the challenge would be really fun yeah Okay, uh, they also have a question. I just like need to highlight some of these questions and the discussion. So there was the question about the 10 heaviest animals in the world. And we got this great discussion. I think it was Dom, right? Who said, because somebody said, oh, great right. white shark. And Dom was like, a shark is not an animal. And there's this great back and forth where they're like, a shark is totally an animal. Yeah, I mean, such a prime example of like... Uh, the patriarchy in my opinion because it's like it's like loud and wrong and it's like he's so wrong but like so sure of his correctness and also his desire to be like no you couldn't possibly know because i know but that's dom for you and then i think was it shannon because they did say great white shark shannon was paired with cinco so was it them who fell out and shannon was like how how is a great white shark not on the list they're so heavy (laughs) <laughs> and here you were saying we didn't get enough shannon representation this episode true like, i mean that might have been the moment. confessional that, I know, that I she that had so okay another one that was really wild was name actresses who have won an oscar for acting either best supporting or best actress oh my and God. who did they say ben uh, didn't, uh, ben Lupita just Nyong'o. didn't know ben didn't yeah. know yeah Oza got oh, yeah, Lupita Lupita. and then was it kate blanchett Yes, that was the other one. And then they fell out because of Sandra Bullock. Okay, here's the question on that one. So it was over the last 10 years, 
actress and supporting and i believe that there are six nominees per category if i'm correct so that's 12 per year times 10 years would be tj would have had to have a list no no no. it wasn't nominated it was who's won oh who's won my who's won okay okay makes sense do you want to play um okay wait uh okay yeah do we just go back and forth well we have no way to check it though well i was just gonna ask you I know. Fine. I think I know. You know. You know. I'm pretty all sure. Twel- all mm, twenty. I couldn't get all of them, but I could do pretty well. Okay, Jennifer Lawrence. That's on the verge of ten years for Silver Linings Playbook. That's I th- uh, yeah, but I think Silver Linings Playbook is 2011. I don't know though. Then I mean, it would. Best, then she would have won in 2012. Best actresses. I probably wouldn't be as good at this. I'm more of a television. Girl. Who beat Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born, and Glenn Who Close beat for The Wife? Lady Gaga. Oh, Olivia Coleman. I thought that was the easiest answer as a gay person. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Olivia Coleman, best actress, win. Not so easy like now, is it? No, not so easy. Um, You're lucky TJ's not here. It's like, I can't even think of an actress. One person has won twice in the past 10 years. In the past, like, four years, I want to say. Academy Award winner. For best lead actress. Best actress winner. Can you tell me who not- won this year? Somebody who's been nominated many times? Um, no. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard then. What movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, the Eyes so of Tammy following... Faye. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, Jessica Chastain. Yes. No, I wouldn't have gotten that. Um, so we're falling through the trap. Uh, I w- no, I wouldn't. I would, get, I, would, I would be there forever. So oh, okay. Frances McDormand has won twice. Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that. For three billboards and for... Nomadland. Okay. Laura Dern won Best Supporting for Marriage Story. Could have gotten that. Okay, let me think. Did Reese Witherspoon win? No, No, but Renee Zellweger won for Judy. Wouldn't have gotten that. But good for her. Loved her in (laughs) Brokeback Mountain. No, I'm struggling. Regina King? For what? Something. I feel like she got an Emmy. I think she got an Oscar. She won an Academy Award, but I don't know for Viola Davis. If Beale Street Could Talk, two thousand eighteen. Mm, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But she also won an Emmy Award for Watchmen, so we were both correct. yes. She didn't get the Oscar for Legally Blonde two, Red, White, and Blonde. But she should have. Nor did she get it for Miss Congeniality two, Armed and Fabulous. But she should have. Agreed. We never said it was fair. Did Viola Davis win an Did Oscar? Did you know she was on The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> no. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so then the losers, right? So then they put pit the losers. Everybody who's fallen through, they have to play again. And the first person to fall through becomes the ultimate loser, right? That's where Sarah goes full hockey mom. Oh, I wanted to say that Tyson is paired with Kayla here. And he had this comment that was like, I'm happy to be paired with Kayla because she has a face of wisdom or she has wisdom in her face, which I don't know if that's like a rude comment. Yeah. How do we read that? A lot of um, comments about players' faces. Um, I mean, are we going to talk about the Shan thing at all at some point? Which Shan thing? Oh, absolutely. We're talking. We're talking. Not right now. Okay, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So we'll circle back. But like, I just think in general, it's like, uh, these contestants should try and I guess I'm gonna guess that Tyson meant it as a compliment. 
But it's like a lot of discussion about people's yeah. looks. Yeah. Which has a history. I, again, I'm rewatching season 10 right now. The things these girls say to Beth. So Beth is like one of the early challenge villains. And it's like when... I was going to say, when they go low, she goes low. It's like, but like no one, everyone's just going low. It's just low, low, low. But it's like, she'll attack them and like everyone will just be like, you ugly bitch. And it's just like, oh my God. I feel like Like, a lot of that happens on Big Brother too. And I have to imagine it happens on Survivor. It just doesn't make the show. Right. And the other thing, and this is so like early reality television, but it's like, there are like really thin people and then thin people, like normal looking people. And like the really thin people love to call the normal size people fat. Oh my God. And it's just one of those things that it's like you kind of see the insidious ways in which, you know, uh, you know, the pervasiveness around people's body image issues because of this, like, first of all, no one should be criticizing anyone's body no matter the size. But there's this idea that, like, people that are not fat are called fat and the ways in which they internalize that. But then other people of size, of any size are like, well, if she's considered fat, I must be a house, you know? Yeah, I am thinking about Big Brother 6 janelle's first season right where there's this awful comment so there was rachel in that house who was like a a very pretty woman in like probably her mid to late 30s right she reminded me of like she was giving like a little bit nobody's gonna agree with this but she always gave me like a julia roberts vibe didn't look like her just gave me the vibe and there's this like incredible confessional from Yvette that season, because of course, like they had that, that house was so wildly divided where Yvette goes on and on after Rachel nominates Bo, who was Yvette's partner that season, right? Cause they all came in with in pairs where Yvette goes that miserable aging woman with her horse face. <laughs> it was like, like they aired that on TV and it was right, far worse in the well, uh, live feeds, of course. Miserable aging woman. She's like 36. (laughs) Okay. But that's the thing with these shows too, where it's like, and this happens on Survivor as well, where it's like, because they skew so young, when you're in your late 30s or early 40s, within that group, you are the old person. Especially, I mean, back in the day, there were legitimately old people. But nowadays, it's like, you get like Heather on 41, who's like, the oldest yeah. person ever. And it's like, bring back BB. Bring back you know? BB's, no, dead. BB's dead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but bring him back. Weekend at Bernie's oh, that. Yes. <laughs> that corpse. Who's the oldest living survivor player? I would love to oh, know. Oh, that's a great question. That would be a great trivia question. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that one. So, in the losers round, David and Justine fall out first, and so they lose. They're moving straight to elimination. Then they have a winners round where it's like the last pair standing win, and so Kyland and Alyssa win that. Of course, both from Big Brother, so that's going to play into the wild dynamics of the strategy and the elimination. But don't worry, because Shan's feeling good because she's paired with Xavier, and Shan sees Xavier as being really close to Alyssa. So I don't know where she's getting that probably straight from Xavier because we know that Shan absolutely despises Alyssa and we get a little bit of that in a confessional later where Shan calls Alyssa a weasel. So in terms of this, not the worst thing she says about, it's not the worst thing she says. Well, 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 
<laughs> okay, let's get to the strategy because, of course, you sort of have this thing where the winners hold court, right, by the leaderboard, and people just come to them. It's sort of like in Drag Race All Stars, where like you're you're one of the top two, and so like people go plead their case to you, which I I like. It keeps it quite simple, unlike Survivor, where it's just uh, a scramble, and you're trying to keep track of all the moving parts. Is like one person, two people in this case, are making a decision, and they're having people come sort of like plead their case to them. So Xavier and Shan go and talk to Kyland and Alyssa. This is the order that we see it. And I think this is important because it's going to play into some of the stuff that's happened outside of the show. But the order that we're shown is that Xavier and Shan go straight to Kyland and Alyssa. That's the first conversation we see. There's lots of talk about Big Brother history. Xavier's kind of like, look, I know that you're upset with what happened in Big Brother. And if you're going to come after me, well, like, I, I get that, but I wish you wouldn't because we can sort of like trust each other and we can work together. Fine. Then Alyssa and Kylan sort of privately debate, well, do, do we want to send those two to elimination in order to get Xavier out for all of our reasons that we have? Then Justine and David talk to Alyssa and Kylan as well, and they don't want to go up against the Love Island pair, which is Cinco and Shannon, because Cinco's strong, right? So like they're concerned that they won't win against Cinco. And so Kylan is basically like, well, how would you feel about going up against Xavier and Shan? And they're down for it. So that's, I think, where it, like, it comes from, because there's no other pair that they're really comfortable comfortable targeting and like maybe that's the strategy i still think that like i don't know that the argument that cinco is strong is enough to turn on your big brother alliance this early because lots of people are strong like xavier seems strong and shan is you know she seems good enough like she hasn't lost anything so i just don't know if i totally buy that line of reasoning and then we get this great scene where Tyson goes and talks to them. We see, so uh, keeping an eye on the relationship between Tyson and Angela, because of course they were the very first pair to win. Uh, both, you know, are the free, first people to make enough money to get themselves to the finale. And then Tyson has sort of been running the show, but we've seen that Tyson and Angela continue to work together. And so we see this sequence where Tyson goes and talks to Kylan and Alyssa. Then Angela goes and talks to Kylan and Alyssa, and they're sort of like doing the same work. I'm curious. I would love to see more footage of Tyson and Angela and what exactly is going on between the two of them. Do they have like a solid pact? It seems that way to me. Anyways, this great sequence takes place where Kylan and Alyssa sort of say, hey, like we're thinking about we're thinking about throwing Xavier under the bus right now and taking Shan with him. Tyson, what do you think of that? And then we cut to Tyson's confessional where he's like, that's crazy, but it absolutely only helps me. So if you're going to help me and destroy your own games, potentially go for it. Like, I'm certainly not going to talk you out of it. And I feel like that's the right response in this situation. But then we see Angela, because Angela's, of course, big brother. And so she kind of like gives her blessing to this line of reasoning and the idea of throwing Xavier and Shan into elimination. I really liked how straightforward this was. Like, I do think that we missed things, but I really liked that there wasn't a lot of will they, won't they. It was kind of like, what is the reasoning for putting this pair up for elimination? Yes. And the giving of the blessing was very uh, Fiddler on the Roof. It was giving a... Uh... <laughs> Uh, Muddle approaching Tevya and asking for the blessing to for him to marry Tidal. 
That's probably what they had in mind when they were editing this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was hoping they were going to burst into sunrise sunset, but they did not. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yeah. So then we get this like really quick shot of Shan talking to Cash, which like I don't know what their relationship is, but they're talking outside. I was gonna say I love the set. They were up against like a garage door. It reminded me of when in early seasons of Drag Race, they would like shoot outside the studio sometimes. Absolutely. Yes. And it was just fun to, as like a change of pace, just seeing natural lighting. Cause the show very much takes place inside minus the few challenges, but those have taken place kind of like up in the air. This was like a fun sort of like a, I like this change of scenery. Yeah. It makes you wonder too. It's like, so what, you know, like with big brother, for instance, they have like the backyard. It's like, Again, what are the parameters of, like, where they can go? You know, like, in addition to can mm-hmm. they cook? Like, can they leave the premise? Is there, if they want to go for a run, could they, right? I mean, not everyone's idea of a workout is in a gym. So just a lot of questions. Can they, like, go to the store? Because I thought it was right. interesting that in the trivia in the trivia challenge that when they were asked about the top eight traded currencies in the world, that one of them, I can't remember who, just goes, um, I don't know, the peso the Mexican and Arch- Argentinian peso, which are not the same currency, um, that that they just have it on the mind. Like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they got there early and they're spending money, but like, the, it, the, it indicated to me that they have the, the Argentinian peso on the mind because they're using it. I'm curious, mm-hmm. do, do they have a wallet with money in it? And can they go to the store and use it? Right. Can they go buy their protein bars? I don't know. Also, too, also, what this makes me think of, too, is it's like, when are the talking heads recorded? Because is there a world in yeah. which it's like, the talking heads are recorded after the fact, and they've had the time, as you say, to like go, I don't know, just like, so many questions about the production of this show. Yeah, they could be recorded anytime. I imagine they're recording them every day. I think it's probably Drag Race style, where they sort of like, they do the talking heads about the day before, or like night of doing it about the day or whatever, however they do it. But my understanding is they kind of like do it daily and talk about the previous day or whatever. I imagine that's the case so that they're getting some fresh reactions to things. But mm. I would also would not put it past anybody. Survivor's quite notorious for doing this. Australian Survivor's very notorious for doing it, of uh, realizing, oh, like down the line, a story has developed. We need a confessional to insert earlier in the show to like start to seed this. And so like very late in the game, you know, often Australian Survivor spoils themselves, spoils itself by inserting confessionals where someone has like a really long beard like much longer than that point they're at in the game um and so you can kind of like track when confessionals are taking place so i wouldn't be surprised if they're sort of like filling in but i imagine they're happening sort of like pretty soon after the events that they're discussing so i thought this was interesting because cash tells shan that she's going to back the survivors so that BB doesn't take over the game. And that's really interesting because I don't think people are really keeping an eye out on the Love Island folks. And that's like a potentially big block of support that you could pick up. And I think one of Big Brother or Survivor needs to go after that block instead of, and I know I'm like contradicting myself because I was saying in the beginning that the smart strategy would be to like take care of the Love Islanders. But at some point you do want to damage the other side if BB and Survivor are more or less aligned or like trying to get to the end together at some point you need to make sure because bb has more numbers that you're going to be able to take those people out so picking up some leviathan but again this is why the 
the algorithm is so complicated yeah. because you might get an opportunity in which it's like you wouldn't have gunned for a certain team, but because they're both together in one week, you're kind of like, well, this is an opportunity to get two out, or you might not go after someone that you're going after because they're paired with someone from your show. So that's the one thing that's really fun about the algorithm shifting every week is that you just never know what you're going to get pairing wise. Yeah. Now and how that will impact people's strategy. Yeah. Now let's get juicy here because the final shot before going to elimination is Alyssa talking to Angela, where Alyssa says, like, we need to keep this quiet that we're going to put up Xavier and Shan, because if Shan finds out, she's going to lose her shit. Then we get sort of a confessional about sh- from Shan being like, I don't know if I totally trust Alyssa because she's a little weasel. This has spilled over into the real world in big ways because <laughs> not only did Shan and Alyssa have this Twitter feud that we talked about in our last episode, which ultimately led to Shan deleting her Twitter account, but Shan, as spoiler alert, is eliminated in this episode, has been on the exit interview circuit and she is going wild out there and she has a lot to say not just about Alyssa because I think she's kind of like said what she had to say about Alyssa which is that she you know was never basically her point is she was never really like in on the cookouts mission she was just using them for clout basically which if you remember Shan's exit interview from exit press from 41 she said the same thing about Ricard so it's kind of giving like sore loser to me and the really wild thing that's going on in her exit interviews is how much she's bashing angela which we haven't seen i don't think really any interaction between angela and shan at all so one podcast she did in particular called the challenge fanatics podcast which i would encourage everyone to go listen to their exit interview with xavier and shan it is juicy but there is a clip that sort of has gone a little bit viral on twitter where she is talking about angela she is referencing something that happened it sounds like pre-game with angela but i like i've done a deep dive on Shan's exit press and I don't know what she's referring to specifically but I think that everybody needs to hear this we don't have an interview with Shan unfortunately but this is a clip uh, that's going around on Twitter from the Challenge Fanatics podcast and what she has to say about Angela you know I don't know that many of the girls in the house other than Kira and maybe Alyssa got along with Angela you know you really can't tell what Angela's thinking or saying sometimes. I think it must be the fillers and the Botox. I don't know. I really think that it it just must have, her face is just, it doesn't move. Um, But like, I think with Angela, like I, I uh, like Mo, like Sally and like every other girl on the show, I think like I tried, I made an attempt at trying to get to know her. Um, But her trying to gaslight me right before going into the show just demonstrated that she you know, was the cool hearted, you know, kind of little woman. I don't, I don't even know if I can call her a woman. I feel so like irritated with her that she would try and gaslight another woman like that. But I guess what I saw on Big Brother about her was just accurate mm. that she was a mean girl. Wow. <laughs> like <laughs> Fight fire with fire. Um, okay, so I do think there's a way to land what she's attempting, which is I think what needs to be, if you're going to attempt to, you know, bring fillers and Botox into the conversation, it needs to be 
to Angela's credit, her Botox and fillers are so good that you're never able to tell what's going on with her face. Like You need to compliment the Botox and filler. That's how you get away with the mention of it. That's what shade is. Yeah. I feel like the problem with this, besides the back half, which is its own questioning, her womanhood is very bizarre. Um, but it's like, she's... I don't even think this is the... You can mention Botox filler to me. I, I don't think that's necessarily... But it's like, you need to frame it as... Her Botox and filler are so good that, right? Yeah. And I just feel like Shan doesn't have the acumen to sort of make the kind of spicy comment that she's going for. And also, I mean, I don't think I need to point out the irony of Shan being like, wow, like she's not a, a girl's girl as Shan <laughs> attacks another girl. So, I mean, it's I like don't know. not just Shan attacks another girl, a... but it's Alyssa, Kira, Angela. It's like anybody who plays a game against Shan is just in the firing line. Now, do we have any clarity on what she's referring to when she talks about being gaslit before the game? No, I have no idea. I've like searched far and wide for this information. If anybody knows, like, please get in contact with us. Yeah, we'd love to know. But at the same time, too, it's like, and this is why I've never found myself that interested in Shan, which is that like, if you're going to bring up drama like this it's like and not provide the full context and a context that's not available i would think that you're bringing up bringing it up in the hope of people understanding you better or getting on your side but by not providing us all of the information the relevant information we're sort of just left with more confusion i don't think anyone could listen to this interview and granted we're only hearing a clip and be like oh well, now I'm on Shan's side because we don't know any more information. I think if anything, this just does more damage to Shan's reputation, which I don't think was in the best of places and I think has only nosedived in her time since. And what's the the, the funny thing about all of this is like Shan left Survivor in with some legendary status, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like everything she's done in the interim has sort of chipped away at that Um and I, I still wonder if Survivor would consider bringing Shannon back for an all-star season because I think that she's just done nothing that is leading people to want more from her. I suspect that we will see Shan on Survivor again. I'd be very surprised if we didn't. I don't think that she's helping herself in any way, but I think that you know m- the vast majority of viewers of Survivor probably aren't watching the challenge and they're probably not keeping up with what shan is up to post survivor and so i think like the general consensus is probably like oh we would love to see shan back do you know what i mean yeah i did want to add one other thing too which is that like one of the big things that shan got a lot of attention for at the beginning of her survivor season was basically being like i'm a pastor but that's not going to get in the way of me wanting to play this game i'm willing to backstab people there is a huge difference between being a pastor and being willing to play the game of Survivor and being a pastor and making the sort of incendiary comments that Shan's making in interviews like this, where it's like, I absolutely think you can have a moral compass, religious or otherwise, come into Survivor and sort of put some of that away in order to play the game. Everything happening here has nothing to do with the game. Mm-hmm. And Shan is showing herself to be a truly awful human being. And so I just think it's worth sort of like delineating those two things here. And it's like, I think Shan, I don't know if she like got drunk on the sauce. And I mean that in the metaphorical sense um, or what, but like there's something where it's like this fame seems to have overtaken her, or maybe we're just being the person that she always was is being revealed here. But like, 
Shan, it's like, I, again, I don't want to like bring religion into it because I don't care about that. But like, I just do question Shan's ability to be a good uh, leader in any sort of religious capacity, being that she does not seem like a very moral human being. Yeah, I think I have a lot of thoughts about this because one, on the religion front, I too don't care, but it's like, I don't care. And if she didn't bring it up, then I really wouldn't care. But that it's a part right. of her character is where it's like, okay, then then it's up for discussion, right? So like, how are you carrying yourself? Is your message hypocritical or is it not? And I think if we're talking about hypocritical, it's like, I'm reading what she said as a negative critique of Botox and fillers in the case of Angela, which would read as a negative critique of anybody who uses Botox or fillers to enhance their appearance in any way, which is really interesting considering that Shan's best friend from Big Brother is Hannah Chada, but I'll leave that there. <laughs> Bet you didn't think I knew who Hannah Chada was. I mean... Well, Shan dragged her to the Survivor 41 finale that I was at, right? Mm. Um, I just have to say, like, I don't... I, I obviously I appreciate the drama that Shan brings to these situations because here I am talking about it on a podcast and like it is a little juicy if if not inconsistent or confusing or bizarre behavior. Um, but I do think that Shan has some issues that I don't I don't know where they come from. I'm not going to guess where they come from, but I think that she has some issues. Look, I've had my own experience with Shan that is bizarre. And maybe I'll tell that story one day. I don't really want to. But like, I was very turned off by Shan uh, IRL. And I think it's consistent with everything that we've seen from Shan in the negative on this show. And I think that it makes her interesting reality TV content for sure. I think that like, she definitely made some impact on this show. I think I, I, I'm kind of surprised that like ultimately they didn't feature her more on the Challenge USA. But uh, obviously she brought enough that we're sitting here talking about it at length. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that um, if Survivor were to do Heroes versus Villains 2, she would need to come back to the show and sort of own her villainous yes. nature. Yes, Um I think that's the only way in which I could really see this working i think that's the problem have... is she's not right like i don't think she knows who she is do you know what i mean like right i think yeah. that if she embraced who she was she would be a far more successful reality tv personality than she already is which she's she already is quite successful on reality tv in terms of like making good tv um she hasn't like placed that well in either s season of tv she's done but <laughs> like she did okay on Survivor, but like ultimately she went home in a dismal position on the challenge and like got taken out mid merge in Survivor. So like I think that she thinks she's a greater player than she is. And I think if she recognized and embraced the character that she brings, which is really like where her strength is at, and like knew what that was and how to play up or play into that, then she could like really, really be a star. Okay, let's go to the arena. And we have, of course, David and Justine going into the arena. And then Alyssa and Kylan 
announced that they're putting Shan and Xavier in. Now, this was like, I think Shan made a point here because the way that they used Shan as a scapegoat in their decision to say like, it's just unfortunate that the algorithm paired Xavier, our dear friend, with Shan, who we're trying to get out. Um, like, I, what was, what is the point of that? Like, to me, uh, Shan's confessional about how they needed to grow a pair, like that rang true because it's like, what are you gaining by, except maybe to like not alienate your big brother allies, but like, you kind of just have to say, if anything, say Xavier just won a whole ton of money on big brother. And like, we're not here to watch him or help him win again. Like, just say, just say what you just say the reasons that you're putting him up. I guess, but I just, I think they were doing damage control in recognizing that it was likely that they were going to be coming back into the game. So mm. I hear what you're saying, but I just think that they were trying to make it comfy for themselves once Xavier... Xavier in, oh, right. In the event that Shan and X won. Well, I think that there had to be on some level an assumption that they would win, being that David and Justine were not... I mean, I certainly went into this thinking that Xavier and Shan were in a good position to win. Uh, I don't think that they would have put them up for elimination if they thought that they were going to win. Because this is kind of a shot you have to take and you're you're taking a gamble that it's going to work because for Xavier to come back in, like, I don't, right, I don't think it matters what, what they say at this point that, like, it's going to be bad news for them. Right. So that's why I'm saying I think that they were doing some damage control. Just in, in recognizing case. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I really liked this challenge. I liked the aspect of like the panes of glass that are color coded so that only one of the pair should be breaking through them. And then that Xavier's just like, Xavier woke up in a rage and <laughs> just busted through every panel, accepting the five second uh, penalty that came with breaking the wrong panel so that they were at a 50 second disadvantage by the time it was come, by the time it came to building their puzzle, which ultimately I think probably cost them the game yeah without question and also what i'm curious about was that a strategy that they agreed upon yeah i wonder too because shan really just like sat back i mean he must i i I have to imagine that like in the preparation sort of like getting ready for the challenge that xavier just said let me just like bust through i do think this was just a great moment for david who i feel like we have gotten very little of both on the challenge and on his two seasons of big brother um and i really appreciated in the post game interview how he was very quick to credit Justine. i loved that um, i loved the way he was yeah, hyping justine just, up being like she's exactly. two challenges listen, now like people who play the challenge don't even have deserved. that i yes. loved that i loved yes. that and I, I just really loved like justine's joy in this and that she did so well in building the puzzle like justine wasn't really on my radar before this and she's on my radar in a big way now she has been on my radar from the jump. She was like the person who I didn't know that I took the most immediate interest in. I also just, and I think she's so gorgeous. She's like, just every time she's on screen, I think she really shines. Um, but yeah, this was just a great moment for David. I think uh, we're just so used to like the machismo from the men, especially when you look at a competition like this and look at what Xavier did, where it's like all about sort of like his rage and punching glass and Shan sort of takes a back seat. So it was fun to see someone like David come forward and acknowledge the teamwork yeah. needed in winning the challenge. Yeah, yeah, because I think that this show is re- like really favors men in the edit, like many reality shows, and so mm-hmm. like if that it felt special that a woman was getting the spotlight, 
as indication of sort of like the state of reality TV and probably TV in general. T. Um, we do have a voicemail before we go that somebody sent in. Don't forget, you can send in your voicemails uh, about the challenge uh, after the episode. And I don't remember what this said, but let's listen to it. This is from Terrence. Hey, Sean. Hey, Evan. It's Terrence from Virginia. And the last challenge episode, I really feel like uh, Shan and uh, Xavier going home definitely contributed to the little Twitter feud between Shan and Alyssa because Shan is someone who respects gameplay. And I think that Alyssa's gameplay was kind of messy with that. Kylan's too, because I think Kylan and Alyssa are both in a big brother-esque mindset where you have to build your resume and make it to the end and people vote for your winner versus just playing it smart and making it all the way to the end. But then again, I've never seen a challenge season. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Do you think that Alyssa was trying to build a resume and have that mindset in getting X and uh, Shan out? Or do you think they were just going for revenge? Or do you just think it was messy gameplay overall? Thank you. I think that this is kind of an interesting question because that thought of, are they coming into this with the mindset of, I need to build a resume is interesting because ultimately they know that they don't need a resume. I assume they don't need a resume Unless it's like you said, to invest in like their impact on the challenge if they want to come back in future seasons. But I do think that like playing a game like Big Brother or Survivor, you sort of enter these things with that perspective of I have to, I have to make a big move, where maybe you don't always have to make that big move. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, but like, I I think this was an investment in her long term strategy on the show. I think that, again, as I was reading in this article, they love the idea of plots continuing over time, romantic or otherwise. And this is very much primed for a returning season on the regular challenge, mind you, because I imagine that a lot of these people, much as we saw with you know Michelle on Survivor, will go into the fold of the regular challenge after the, after this are going to become you know, fixtures on that show where they can do many, many seasons where on Survivor, you're only eligible in a returning player season, Mm -hmm. whereas the challenge is always returning players, which is why you can sort of exist within the challenge circuit. And this is such a prime plot line to bring them all back to sort of like, you know, if it was a leaderboard, Xavier has one win with Survivor and Alyssa has one win, you know, with this specific challenge. And so it's sort of like, let's, you know, let's round three. Who's going to winner takes all? Like, I think that they have primed themselves for that. And I think Alyssa is aware of that. So was it the best for her strategic game in this particular show? No, but I think in the long run, yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I do think that sort of coming out of this entire situation, the the ranking of like who made the impact in the game, I would say that Xavier and Shan made a bigger impact in leaving than Alyssa did in putting them up. Right, but I think Alyssa still has another week at minimum opportunity yes, to true, make more true. moments. The fallout happen. and all of this, yes. Yeah, and the reality is it's like we're in the moment right now with Xavier and Shan, but it's like I wonder you know, once we see this entire season, how will this moment stack up? Yeah, true, true. Okay, well, it's been fun doing a 
our first proper full episode recap and we will be net back next week to recap episode five looking forward to what happens with the fallout here for Alyssa and kyland uh, if any and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on what shan is up to she did post an instagram story with a song about um try jesus or something like that <laughs> But should she make her return to Twitter, I will be all over that to report back on that. In the meantime, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. We do have, uh, hopefully, an iconic Survivor interview coming maybe next week. We did have to reschedule. It was supposed to be uh, taking place today, but that did have to get rescheduled. But I think it's going to happen very shortly. And so look for that in your feed soon. In addition, don't forget to check out on August 1st, uh, the launch of our Patreon, where there will be plenty of exclusive content and ways to interact with us and each other. And that's going to be very, very fun. So in the meantime, you can make sure that you're following at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram so you don't miss any of those updates and new episodes that we release and opportunities to get involved in the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.